Father God, thank you for this beautiful morning which you have blessed us with, Lord, for the truth that you reign in the heavens and on the earth here below. Lord, that you hold all things together in your sovereign power, by your word, that you are the beginning and the end, the one true everlasting King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you for the provision of the Sabbath day, for a time to find rest and peace and refreshment in your word and by your spirit. So we pray that you would strengthen us in our faith as we open up your word and continue to look at your attributes. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Morning, parents. All right, well, we are now on our sixth session uh, regarding the doctrine of God. And this morning we're going to um, aim to look at two um, of God's incommunicable attributes. Firstly, his immutability, and secondly, his immensity. We'll see how far we get. We may only reach one of these, but let's dive into God's immutability. So, any guesses? as to what the immutability of God means. Something's immutable. What does that mean? Unchanging. Yes. Okay, unchanging. So the immutability of God is the unchangingness of God. Okay, so the scripture reveals to us that God doesn't change in his being. He doesn't change in his attributes. His will stays the same. His purposes, his promises also don't change. Even his knowledge. Okay, he doesn't grow in knowledge. He simply is. Yeah, his plans also don't change. His moral principles. He doesn't change his morality according to the culture of the world. Um, God doesn't work like that. Um, he is the same and he remains the same forever. So there are obviously huge implications to, to um, this attribute of God. Um, but let's just try and understand it a bit more. Okay? Because not everyone agrees with this. Even in in some of the you know, progressive Christianity, um, broad evangelical contexts, um, there's understanding that you know, God can evolve, basically. The, the, more he, um, the more experience that he has as God, the, um, the, the more he changes. And there's some... Theologians who, who teach this, okay, and go to say, no, we're going to stick to the historic orthodoxy, which, which is biblical and which is always taught that God is unchanging, okay, because God is absolute perfection in who he is, well, that means that there's no room for improvement, okay, he, he is, he's absolute perfection, he can't get any better than he currently is, nor can he get any worse, nor can he deteriorate. He, he, like he, it's not as if like he get, 
the older he gets, yeah, he gets old age, and so he gets a bit more decrepit, and he sort of starts to lose it. You know, that's not how God is. He is. He is not becoming something. He simply is. Okay, God cannot be more loving. He can't be more righteous. He can't be more just or holy in the future than he currently is right now at present. You don't understand that this, for, for us, for humans, this is, is not the case. That's why the, the immutability of God is an incommunicable attribute. It's not an attribute we share. Okay, we change for the better or for the worse. We change. It's part of our human experience. But God, who is already perfect, any change, any potential change in God can only result in imperfection. So, well, any questions in this introduction before we get into some scriptures here? All right, well, let's look at some texts. So the obvious one is to go to is Exodus 3.14, which we've looked at in the past two weeks. Yes. Well, they're not basing it on primarily on the Bible. Um, it's that's the nature of especially progressive Christianity, which is repackaged liberal Christianity, doesn't see the Bible as its ultimate authority. They're going to, um, you know, it's just I don't know, Alex. You want to have a go at that? Where they get their? I mean, it's like this is with Charles Pinnock and and those folks. Secular, um, secular study of the Bible, where they're like, well, the, some people at this time, that's what they all believed about God, but that's we know that that can't really be true. Mm. And then they say some things about the Old Testament. This question, when it appears that God changed, oh yeah, his we'll mind. we'll look at those. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Yeah, because there are some texts that it appears that God does change His mind. We'll get to that, and we'll see. It. It's not a contradiction in the scripture. And that Jesus grew in knowledge and stature. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they'll say like um, Jesus' experience as a human being, as, as part of the Godhead, the Godhead would have had to change or evolve through Jesus' incarnation. But we'll see, no, that's... Not, not the case. Okay, so um, Exodus three fourteen, God's name. I am who I am. Okay, God is. He's not. Um, he's per- the name I am is telling us that he's perfect in who he is. There's no nothing more to add to him. There's no change in his in his being. He is. Okay, Psalm one hundred and two twenty six to twenty eight. You are the same, and your years have no end. Malachi 3, verse 6. Okay, very clear. For I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, if there's a verse, there it is. James 1, 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with who there is no variation 
or shadow due to change. Okay, very clear. Another clear on Hebrews 13 verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, very encouraging scriptures and clear on, on, on this. Okay, God doesn't change. So just as God's being and his essence and his character are unchangeable, so are his will and his decrees and his knowledge. That is all unchangeable. How is it full? Okay, he's omniscient. Okay, and that he knows everything. Okay, he knows the end from the beginning, as Isaiah 46 verse 10. So if God is the one who knows who's omniscient, he knows every single thing that is going to happen on earth, everybody's, you know, how history is going to turn out, he knows the end from the beginning. What this means, obviously, is that well, he's never taken by surprise. He's never taken by surprise by hu- human actions. So he knew that Adam and Eve would fall into sin. He wasn't taken by surprise by that. He knew Israel also would continue to fail. Yeah, and whether it's in the wilderness or you know, going after false gods. And his purposes and decrees and will, they also remain the same as he works all things together for the good of his people. Okay, he's this, he doesn't change in terms of his purposes of predestination. Now, this is especially comforting for those of us who are in Christ. Okay, Ephesians 1.11 says that in Christ we are predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So if God were to change, well, then we'd have problems because then it would be possible for God to say, ah, well, actually, you know, looking at John over there, I know I predestined him, but, you know, it's not really working out there. I think I'll unpredestine him. Okay, <laughs> thankfully God is not like that. Okay, I mean, He has uh, predestined those who's, who He's predestined, He has called, and those He has called, He is justified, and those whom He has justified, He will glorify. Okay, He is that's His expression of His unchanging will, and thank God for that. Okay, God is not like humans, that he suddenly changes his mind. Okay, Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He has said, has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not fulfill it? See, this is speaking into God's faithfulness here. Okay, and it's connected with his, the fact that he doesn't change. God is going to, he's a man of his, well, he's not a man. Okay? He's a God of his word. Okay? He's the expression. He's faithful. He doesn't do this and then do that. And then say one thing and, and do another. No, he, when he speaks a word, he does it. He fulfills it. Yeah. So for open theory, you mentioned knowledge. 
um, for the future and then decree. For the open theist, God's decree is determined by his knowledge, which he learns. He looks, he's the master statistician. He can work out what's yeah. going to happen, and then that becomes his decree. Whereas we believe that his decree is the reason for his knowledge. Like, he yeah. knows the beginning from the end because he's decreed. Yes. You see, I suppose a practical expression of this would be regarding salvation. Okay, um, We do not, the Bible does not teach that God looks down the corridors of time and sees who is going to choose Christ and who is going to reject him or, or, or not choose him. Okay, no. Okay, that's a, that's a misunderstanding of predestination. God actively chooses those whom will be saved. Okay, this is what unconditional election means. That it's not about our choice. God, we have got nothing to do with it. Nothing, no, not of our future choices or our um, kind of tendency toward God or anything like that has anything to do with how we get saved. It's God and God alone. In his expression of his unchanging will. Yeah, but what about some of these scriptures that we hinted at earlier that may seem to indicate that, that God does change? Okay, some examples. Okay, Abraham in, in Genesis 18 apparently changing God's mind about sparing people in Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, what about Moses pleading with God not to consume the Israelites after they had worshipped the golden calf in Exodus 32, 10 to 14? Those examples of a man's prayer being able to, to, to change the mind of God. Thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, okay, so there, I think that, that that's a good point to, to you've, you've hit the, there, there's, a, there's a mystery here that we should hold together here, that firstly, God is sovereign, okay, that, um, but as we looked at last week, okay, our prayers are effective, okay, he desires us to pray to him, the expression of our dependence on him, we are not just robots. We have free agency. It, it is a good thing to pray to God precisely because he's sovereign. But at the same time, God's plans are not going to fall apart because we didn't pray enough. 
He's going to do what he's going to do. He will achieve his purposes. His word will not fail. It's Isaiah 46 and many other scriptures are, are clear on this. Yeah, you see, it's a tough one because God does use means. Does use means, but regardless of that, he, he will always accomplish his purposes. So we have the privilege of um, being used by him, mm-hmm. but he just as equally would not use us. Yeah, if he, he could. Yeah, but he chooses not to. you can speak things into being well <laughs> you can create something out of nothing what about the woman who touched his coat yeah she hadn't touched his coat and Jairus he hadn't insisted that she's coat yeah well there's something there about God's desire for us to, to be dependent on him um, it's the nature of, of faith and, and Jesus, um, yeah, I mean, he absolutely, I mean, he used those examples there of, 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 of saying that's, well, that's a virtuous thing to, you know, like the, the, the centurion who said, you know, just say a word and it will happen. I mean, it, they, were, they were demonstrating faith and, and desire for Christ. Oh, they did. <laughs> yeah. So I think how do we explain these? Well, we can ex- explain them by a difference, a distinction. Okay. Always in theology, distinctions are important here. A distinction between God's immutability, okay, the fact that he doesn't change, and immobility which would say that God doesn't act. Now, we say certainly God does indeed act. He's not immobile. Um, He does act in human history. And in redemptive history, there are changes in how he relates to us through the course of redemptive history. And we see this through um, the different covenants that God has established. So the way he related to Israel under the Mosaic Covenant 
is different in certain respects to the way he relates to us, um, his, his church. Okay, example. Well, we don't, I haven't got a goat in the car, which we're going to slaughter today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so in the Mosaic Covenant, God related to his people and facilitated his presence through blood sacrifices. That's no longer the case anymore because of the final sacrifice of Christ. Does that mean that God is, it's an example of that God is, it does change? No. In his being, he doesn't change. In the way in which he relates to his people over the course of redemptive history, according to the covenantal context, sure. But it doesn't mean that in himself there is any change. There's no change in his essence, his being, his attributes, his decrees, his secret will, his purposes, or his promises. So any, any other questions there with these, with these uh, scriptures that perhaps indicate that, well, on the, on the surface indicate that God can change? Okay. No, because Satan changed and he was created an angel and then he rebelled and led um, some of the other angels to rebel with him. Because it would, if they were unchanging, it would then almost make them gods, which they're not, but also we can see that they... Yeah, they do have the capacity to, to change. But wasn't it the You're not having angels now, still changing. <laughs> <laughs> if they've changed in the past, I'm sure they, yeah, they have the capacity to change now. And God could destroy them, so that's part yeah. of changeability is like if they can die, then they can see they can undergo change. Yeah. Obliterate. Sure. Yeah, I think with 
with this, we, we, we must always be reminded with all of the attributes of God, the implications, the good implications that it has for us. Because really, the fact that God doesn't change should be of great comfort to us, frankly. Because it shows that we can trust in his steadfast love, his, his faithfulness, how he has revealed himself in his word to us. It's not as if we're reading this and oh, we've got outdated information about God. You know, he's long, you know, progressed, you know, since these old days, you know. No, how he's revealed himself here is who he is, is how we, we can know him. And the goodness of his character, his faithfulness, his mercy, his grace and, and love and kindness, these things don't change. And his decree that he's predestined his chosen people unto salvation in Christ before the foundation of the world, and that we will endure to the end, sealed by his spirit, that's unchanging. Okay, that's a solid, unbreakable promise to those of us who are in Christ. So that this means that there's therefore nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And this is true precisely because God is immutable, because he's unchanging in his being and in his ways. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Any last questions? Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting way to look at it. So, yeah. yeah. I think that the key thing, welcome, ladies. Wonderful to see you. We're just finishing off our, our um, catechism class. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, it, 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 the key thing is that God doesn't change in his, in his being here. That he wasn't... Yeah, he, he, his, his purpose in that particular instant wasn't wasn't derailed yeah he was going to always achieve his his purposes and plans any other last questions we've just been looking at the immutability of god the unchangeableness of god all right let's pray father god thank you for the truth of your word and how you have revealed yourself through your word, that indeed you are the one who was, who is, who is to come. The same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, we can find rest and comfort and peace in this truth, that you are not a God who, who changes on a whim like, like we tend to do, but instead you are faithful and steadfast and entirely trustworthy. So, Lord, we, we pray that you would prepare our hearts now as we go into the worship service. And, Lord, we ask your blessing over uh, this time together. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.